But today we are starting uh, a new series entitled uh, Under Construction. Touch your neighbor, tell them I'm under construction. I'm under construction. I'm under construction. I don't think they heard you right. Tell them I'm under construction. Um, and that's going to be the theme for the next several weeks. However, today's topic is going to focus on the renewing of your mind. Um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I want to intentionally uh, mention this because I believe that uh, there tends to be a misconception when it comes to the salvific experience we have when it comes to serving the Lord. Um, there's, a, there's a tendency that people assume that when I come to Jesus and I give Jesus my heart, that in doing that, my entire life switches instantaneously and almost like if God had a magical wand and he would abracadabra you in the name of Jesus. And so you have people that, I've seen this many times, they come to Jesus because they know he's the answer. Jesus is the answer. Can I get an amen? amen. They come to Jesus because Jesus offers salvation and hope. But many, many times people who come to Christ for that, after a while they leave the Lord because they thought that accepting Christ was going to change their entire lives instantaneously. And I want to say that, and I'll say this as, as an intro because Salvation is not the end. Salvation is the beginning to an end. And many times, many times, in order to understand how this works, you have to understand that when God saves us, He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's why when he saves us, there are some things that happen in the unseen world that takes place without your cooperation. I accept Christ. I believe that Jesus is the Savior of my soul. And instantly, I become saved. Instantly, I become redeemed. What does redeemed mean? Redeemed means that, 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 that there was a cost for me to be who I am in Christ. And no one can pay that price, but Jesus paid the price. He purchased me out of sin. That happened without my help. He saved me. He redeemed me. Look what else he does. He justified me. He propitiated me. He regenerated me. And he adopted me. And all of that happened simply because I believed that Jesus is the Savior. 
happen without my help. I had nothing to do. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know that was going on when I, you remember when you came to the altar and you gave your life to Jesus? You had no idea that that was happening. Because these things happen in the spirit world without your cooperation. But, 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 but look at this. Look at this. When you got saved, how many remember, you remember, I remember when I got saved. I got saved, and I say it all the time. I got saved in August 16, 1989, in a tent, under a tent in Bronx, New York. That's where I got saved. Book it down Bronx. Pat, 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 pat. I got saved. <laughs> That's where I got saved, in the Bronx. I remember the atmosphere of that moment. I remember it, it, it was right after preaching, and, and there was a group called Sounds of Praise. And, 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 and they were all guys. They look like the Beatles. <laughs> they were all guys. That, and, and, and they were playing that worship song. And, and when they made the worship song out the call, my spirit, I got so emotional and I got so inspired. And, and it wasn't because of the music, but the music had an element to my, to my decision. And, and it was just great. And when I ran to the altar, I remember that when I came to the altar, there was, there was dozens of people in the altar. And I was crying. And I had tears coming out my eyes and about 2.3 buggers coming out my nose. And, 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 and I was up here and all I heard was music and it was a sublime environment it was so angelic and so celestial and so superb and I was just I want Jesus but let me tell you what was happening in the spirit world how many of you guys how many of you guys ever been have a drove by or walked by an area of construction you know, you're walking down, and all of a sudden, you're in area construction, and everybody has a hard hat on, right? And, and, and all you hear is ruckus. All you hear is noise. And if you're on the phone, you got to be like, hey, listen, listen, you got to talk a little louder because I can't hear you. When you got saved in the natural, <laughs> Uh, little, little birds and little uh, uh, Holy Spirit angel flying all over the place and, and you was in the spirit. That, that, that's what happened in that. But in the spiritual world, you just entered a construction zone area. And now the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, when you accepted Jesus, what you told the Holy Spirit is, I am ready to be worked on. So the Holy Spirit now is going to get a drill because your heart, your mind, your soul, your feelings, they have been cocooned by a cement that the enemy has put around you. And now the Holy Spirit is in the business of breaking through that cement to make you new. So while you're celebrating and crying in the natural, everybody's getting to work in the spiritual. Now, I, 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 oh, here it goes. I say that because when I accept Jesus, he does all those things for me. But now that I am in Christ, there are some things that now I have to do that God ain't going to do for me. Because now, having Christ in my heart, by means of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to empower me to do some things I need to do in my salvation experience so that I can become the person God has called me to become. 
That's why I said salvation, conversion is not the end. Conversion is the beginning of a journey, of a walk with God, allowing God, giving God permission to break you. Giving God permission to transform you. Giving God permission to enter into the reservoir of your emotions, the reservoir of your heart, the reservoir of your spirit, and allow him to break out of you the things the enemy has placed in your heart and in your mind and in your emotions so that you can be what the Bibles and the book of Ephesians reach out to the stature and the measure of Jesus Christ. Now listen, listen. The challenge with many of us, and I I need to say this, is that many of us have a problem in letting God restore us. Let me tell you this. And and, and this this is, I'm getting a deja vu. And this has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about today, but I felt this morning the Lord shifted me to do this, and I'm going to do it again today because I feel a shift to speak to you all. Because I believe that as a church, we need to understand that it is God's desire for us, for him to make us into the image of his son. And that, my friend, takes hard work. Looking like Jesus ain't easy. Living like Jesus is not easy. It's not putting a Bible under your armpit and a skirt below the knee and a tie fat as as a microphone. No, no, no. Living like Jesus is hard work. Living like Jesus is going to demand you to give God permit of your soul and say, God, work me as you let you give me the strength to do the things I have to do to let your spirit mold me into the image of your son. And I'm going somewhere with this, but I want you to understand that. Because salvation is the catalyst for God to make you who he wants you to be. You cannot become like Christ if you don't have Jesus in your heart. You cannot be the person God has created you to be outside of him. But here's the challenge. The challenge of many of us is that it's hard for us to be like Christ because we have a propensity to look ourselves in the mirror and say, well, I look like a Christian. I look like a Christian. Sunday's best. I look like a Christian. I dress like a Christian. My iPad is packed with Christian songs. You call me on my phone, it ain't going to be dilly lily ling It's when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart. I will dance like David dance. <laughs> yeah, you got to put the te te You got to put that in there. <laughs> and we can fall in the entrapment of believing that we are Living out God's purpose for our lives because of how we look. That's why, that's why, that's why, that's why. You cannot judge a building by its facade. 
You cannot judge a building because the walls are painted nice. You can't judge a building because they got nice landscape. It might look nice on the outside, but the pillars might be rotten. The pipeline might be rotten. So God is not interested in how you look on the outside. God wants to work on the inside so that you can be according to the image of God. Now, why am I saying this, Pastor? Because when you are in Christ, when you are in Christ, check this out. The Bible says, Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. So when I am in Christ, I need in me the mind of Christ. When, when you are in Christ, your perspective of your environment, I'm, 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 I'm already thinking 20 minutes ahead. The perspective of your environment does not cause you to lose hope in God's purpose for your life. And let me explain what I'm saying. When I look at myself in the spiritual mirror of life, and I look at all of the mistakes that I, as a human being, have, and then I look at what the Bible says, that if I'm in Christ, 1 Corinthians, if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. But time out. When I look in the mirror and when I look in my soul and when I look at the Bible, don't make sense. Because how can I be a new creation and I'm so smoking cigarettes? How can I be in Christ? Yet I'm still lying and cheating and carry on. So the question is, am I saved or am I not saved? Am I a Christian because I don't smoke? Am I a Christian because I don't do drugs? Am I a Christian because I don't commit adultery? Am I a Christian because I've decided to walk another road contrary to the one that... I'm supposed to walk through? Am I? Does that qualify me to be a Christian? Because last I heard, what qualifies me to be a Christian is to believe in Jesus Christ and confess with my mouth that Jesus Lord. So now you got to fight the challenge of, so am I a Christian? Am I a phony? Am I a hypocrite? And this is the battle we deal with as Christians. Because the world tells us, the religious world tells us, yeah. that to be Christian is to be perfect. And so in your mind and in my mind, the equivalent of a righteous Christian is perfection. What did Paul says? What I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do... No, he didn't say that, but. <laughs> so we got to be careful that you don't fall in the trap of living a life by appearance 
What I'm talking about today, this has been going on 2,000, 3,000 years ago. Jesus decides, check this out, Jesus decides to hang out with thieves. The dude hung out with a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. That guy was the, he was the biggest crook in the Bible time. He owed everybody and their mama money. <laughs> Jesus hung out with a crook. Jesus hung out with a little hoochie who was chilling by the well who had five husbands. And the one she had wasn't even hers. If that's not a hoochie, I don't know what that is. That's a <laughs> if you in the times of Christ were a Google hoochie, she would have showed her like this. <laughs> what a flower pot at the well. <laughs> what about her? Yet the Bible says, the Bible says that Jesus said, I need to go. To Samaria. Time out. Time out. Because if you're a perfect Christian, if you're a good Christian, the last place you want to be is with jacked up people. Because Christianity is the epitome of how you look, of how you act, of how you walk, of how you dress. Jesus said, I want to hang out with a hoochie. And so he goes to the well and he has a conversation with a woman. Listen to what I'm saying. Another story. I'll give you another story. Remember that girl that got caught in the act of adultery? I didn't say she committed adultery. I said she got caught. I'm not saying that, you know, Maria to Pancha and Pancha to Pepita, Pepita to Carlos. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the Bible says she got caught. Like you got caught, like busted. So when they presented her to Jesus, she wasn't in her Sunday's best. She was probably naked or in, in her minor garments. Her hair must have still been buck walking. It was a ground of her hair. She must have had the stench of sex in her body. Because she was caught in the act of adultery. What I'm saying, because, listen, listen, I, I'm saying this because I told God when I started, when we started this church, I said, God, I want you to bring me everybody. I want everybody. I want the broken. I want the hurting. That's why this church is called a place of hope. I want everybody. And I don't know if that was, I don't know if I should have prayed something else. But God is bringing us all kinds of people to this church. And so now, God is bringing me somebody to the church that's got a problem. See, <laughs> that's got a problem that everybody can see. See, see, this chick that was caught in the act of adultery, she couldn't hide it. She couldn't hide it. <laughs> she couldn't hide it. 
because she got caught in the act. Everybody knew what she did. See, see, you know what the problem with many of us is? That many of us, we have a sense of righteousness because when people look at you, they don't see your junk. You, you know what? You know what? You know what? If I have to choose to have people that when they walk through that door, their sin is obvious, I would rather 20 of those than one person who fakes the funk. Yeah. Because, because, because I can deal with your issue because it's obvious. So I know God helped me to help him in that area to be like you. But, 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 but. But when, but when your sin is a lying spirit, that I can't see it. When your sin is pornography, when your sin is envious and jealous, jealousy, when your sin is a divisive spirit, see, it's easy for you to say, look at this adulterer. Because their sin is obvious. But God, I pray, you start giving visions to the church. So these guys, these guys, the Bible says these guys caught the woman in the act of adultery. They brought the chick to Jesus, threw her on the feet, on his feet, and said, this is what, the, this is what she did, adultery. This is what the law says. What are you going to do, Jesus? Now, now, now. They brought this woman to Jesus because the law said that if a woman was caught in the act of adultery, she had to be stoned. That's what the law said. So they bring this woman to the one who wrote the law. And they said... Oh, but, but, Mr. Jesus, because I, I was there, and I was there when you said, I was there, I was there, I was there when you said, me and the Father are one, and, and I'm here. Okay, okay, now in light of that, in light of that, since you're the Son of God, and God gave the Word, and God gave the commandments, well, this is what the law says, what you're going to do. Because if you don't do what you're going to do, and what you got to do, well, then you ain't say what you said you were supposed to do. So God... Jesus looks at the chick, the Pharisees who look, oh my God, you had to do these Pharisees, they look so holy. <laughs> Here's what Jesus does. He starts writing on the ground. We're talking about under construction, renewing your mind. Writing on the ground, writing on the ground, writing on the ground. And the Bible says that one by one, as he was writing, everybody left the immediate scenario. And look what happens. The Bible says, after all, oh God, the Bible says that after all his accusers left, not her accusers, his accusers left, he looks at the woman. Look what he does. He doesn't demand her a thing. He doesn't give a, de a declarative statement with managerial brio. Here's what he does. He asks her a question. 
And he says, where are those that accuse you? Time out. This would have been the perfect time to say, you're going to hell. <laughs> now, now that everybody's gone, between you and me, you're going to go to hell and you're going to burn and Beelzebub's going to kill you. <laughs> he asked her a question. To make her aware of two things. Number one, to make her aware that those that were accusing her were not accusing her. They were accusing him. And I want you to know, I want you to know, I want you to know that the next person that stands and told you in your face the stuff you made and the mistakes you made, I'm here to tell you they're not accusing you, they're accusing Christ. Because Christ dealt with that mess. Christ dealt with your situation. Christ dealt with your sin. And he hung it on the cross. And instead of me looking at your faults, why don't you help me pray for me, lift me up, love me. Love me. Jesus, Jesus looked at her and he asked her, where are those that accuse you? You know why he did that? Because he wanted a respond from her, but it wasn't a verbal response. It was an action response. He said, where are you? I mean, where are your accusers? You know what that caused her to do? To look in her environment. He caused her to change her perception of looking down at herself and saying, God can use me and God can restore me and I can never be nobody. He said, the first thing I want you to know that when I come in your life, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to kill you. I'm here to let you know that I have taken care of all of your accuser and now there is no condemnation in those that are in Christ Jesus. Look what happens. After he asks the question, then he, makes, he causes her to look. And then in light of what now she sees, she responds. In light of what she sees, which is God took care of my enemies. God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. That's salvation. He's delivered me from the Pharisees. He delivered me from dying. He delivered me from after God did for me what I can't do for myself. Then he gives her a command. And he says, go and sin no more. He didn't tell her first, stop sinning. The first thing he told her is, I've justified you. I love you enough to get rid of your enemies. That's why, that's why, that's why. And you know what happened with this chick? Because Jesus dealt with her out of love and not out of judgment. Because Jesus dealt with this woman out of love and not out of the law. This was one of the few women that at the time that Jesus was dying on the cross, Peter ran away and denied him. Bartholomew broke out. All of the disciples left. But this woman stood at the cross till the very end. Because when you understand that salvation is an act of grace and an act of love and that God is asking, 
after you to make you into the image of a son, you won't leave church because somebody step on your toe. Because when you realize of the mercies of God, oh God, I've been like preaching. I'm going to come now. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. So here's what God's going to do in this church. He's going to continue to bring us broken people. He's going to bring us people whose flaws are evident and flaws are not evident. And woe unto you. But pastor, I can't have this person sitting next to my kids. But pastor, uh-uh. Everything she posts on Facebook is thongs and bikinis and... I can't have that girl in this church. Uh-uh. Now sitting beside my daughter. She needs Jesus and she needs help. And she's in the process of being like Christ. Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? Who are we? To say you can't sit here and you can't come there. This is a hospital, bro. This is a hospital. And we have to accept all kinds of people. Jacked up people, messed up people, hurting people, depressed people, lonely people, angry people, bitter people, obnoxious people, good looking people. We got to accept them all. Everybody, everybody. I'm sorry I'm all on top of you. Everybody. Because, because, because we are all under construction. Yeah. We're under construction. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You know what? You know what the Bible calls people like like those guys called the Pharisees. Jesus called them white sepulchers. Ain't that a crazy thing to call somebody? Yo, I'm going to call you DJ Master Jeff, but I'm going to call you White Sepulchre. Like, <laughs> White Sepulchre, White Sepulchre. You know, why, you know why Jesus called these guys that were focused on the outside White Sepulchres? Which Sepulchre is a new version of White Tombs. There you go, now you know. Because in Jerusalem... Jerusalem was made of, it's like a white stone. And the white stone, when the sun would hit it, especially at daybreak and at sunset, it's it's an incredible sight. When the sun hits it, it literally looks like the city is, is shining and the light is on. Because the reflection of the sun on these stones caused the city to bright up. But he caused them White sepulchers or white tombs. Because at a distance, all of you, Jerusalem was made of a white stone. It's like a bayish white stone. But the tombs are made of a bright white stone. Now, here's why. Because from a distance, you can tell who was where. As the sun hit the city, oh, those are tombs, 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 tombs. Those are cities. All right, let's attack that area. Jesus said, religious folk, 
who focus on the outside, this is what they are. They are white tombstones. They look shiny. They look bright. They look holy on the outside. But inside there's nothing but death and stench and smell. And so God, God today wants us to understand several things. And I'll preach this sermon. I'll preach it next week. He wants us to understand several things. That coming to Jesus does not mean that God is going to remove everything from my life. No. Coming to Jesus means he's going to do for me what I cannot do for myself. But then now that I embrace what God has done for me that I cannot do for myself, I need to be part of a support system that helps me in becoming who Jesus wants me to be. And so within my Christianity, I need room for my humanity. Within my Christianity, I need room because I came to Jesus, but I still got a devil that hates me. I came to Jesus, I still got the flesh that wants to do what it wants to do. I came to Jesus and I got the culture of this world telling me that what I'm doing is right. So I got three forces against me. And then my brother in the church is against me too. And then now I have a sense of guilt that I can be used by God because if I would be used by God, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So now you got everybody attacking you and now you are attacking you and now you're saying, if this is Christianity, I'll go back. But I'm here to encourage you, church. I'm here to remind you, God never called us to be perfect. He called us to be holy, and holiness is not perfection. Here's what's crazy. You read the book of Corinthians? Oh, God. Read, read, read the first letter of Corinthians. That's, that's a jacked up church. They're having incest. They're abusing the, word, the, 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 the supper of the Lord. They're interrupting in the service, gift of tongues. It's just havoc. And Paul writes the first letter of Corinthians to, to tell these guys, y'all a bunch of psychos. It's not what he said, but. But when you read the letter, how he starts, he calls them the saints of Corinth. He writes a letter telling them all of the defects that they had, but he starts off the letter telling them, you're a saint. To the saints in the church of Corinth. He calls them holy, yet they were doing sinful things. Oh, Jesus. He called them saints. While the husband is sleeping with the daughter's with the son's wife. He calls them to the saints in the church of Corinth. Because holiness is not perfection. Holiness is separating yourselves. But while you're being separated, you know, while you're being separated. While you're being separated, you're not perfect. So in your separation, Lord, work in my character. Lord, work in my attitude. You're, you're separated, but you still got issues. You're separated, but you still got a problem. You're separated, but you still got problems. And so, and, so, and, so, and so what does God do? He gives us the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit, through love, can make us into the image of Jesus Christ. And, and, and please don't get me wrong with this. I'm not saying that being a Christian is the equivalent of no correction and no 
No. Obviously, no. But if I'm going to correct, I have to do it in love. I have to do it in love. You know, you know, uh, you know, my kids, all my kids, all my kids, all my kids got whooping. Gabby, I'll whoop you right now. <laughs> she said, no, I didn't. I don't know you did. All right, let's go. Put that up here. Mira la pared. No, my daughter never got a whooping. She's a smart girl. My, my boys got whoopings. My boys got whoopings. I got whoopings. My mother was no joke. Acuéstate en la cama. Get on the bed, face down. Don't look back. And I was like, Mommy, please, I promise I will do it again. I promise, I promise. Oh, Jesus, please, Holy Ghost, hallelujah, Jesus, please. <laughs> and then she'd take off her belt. And my mom was no joke. Like, I learned, I learned grammar with my mama. Because she would beat me in syllables. Yep. I told you, don't. <laughs> Do. Yeah. And while she's beating me up, I'm like, Mommy, please. Oh, God, please. And then after the whooping, she would say stuff so stupid like, That hurted me more than it hurted you. <laughs> and I'm the one with the scars and the bruises. And I'm like, Lord, kill her, Lord, kill her, Lord, kill her. <laughs> she whipped me. I, I, let me tell you, man, let me tell you. I'm glad my mama whipped me. Because I prefer my mama to whip me out of love than a correction officer to beat me in prison. Listen to me. So when I would whip my kids, it was out of love. It was out of love. God, God. I, 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 I got to instill in him the importance of not committing that infraction again. So the, the, I'm saying that to say that correction is needed. But I cannot correct out of love. These Pharisees was trying to bring correction to a woman, not out of love. So Jesus looked at these guys' hearts. He said, you guys, no, this is not the gospel I'm preaching. So I'm not going to stone the chain. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write on the ground, and whatever they read on the ground, they were like, uh-oh, I got to bounce. And he said, sweetheart, I'm not that. I'm not that. Lift up your head. Where are your accusers? The only one she saw was Jesus. I am not that. Here's who I am. Here's who I am. Go. You released her. Go. And sin no more. And she never left Jesus. So, in this series... God, I wish I spoke. I, I wish I talked about what I was going to figure out today. Ephesians chapter 4 is crazy. But in this series, the Lord is going to challenge us not to see those people you see 
and say, mm, he's that, she's that, I know that. <laughs> no, but to make a retrospective analysis of yourself. I, 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 I see it. Oh, wow, it's still starting. I, 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 I see it. I see it. I see it like a computer. My son yesterday bought an Apple computer. Well, I bought it, but they got mad RAMs and mad gigabytes and mad bytes and mad all this stuff and his Apple computer and 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 I remember and then and then and, and it was a nice white bag and in the white bag you had a white box and in the white box you got that silver computer and it's beautiful and it's there and it's holy have you ever, have you ever, how many guys ever bought an Apple device don't you feel like like hallelujah 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 that's how every time I go to Apple I come out like hallelujah 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 hey if you got Android hey it's okay God loves you too but 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 it's 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 perfect. It's pure. When you open the computer, you press the button. And you look at the screen. There is nothing on the screen. It's clean. It's it's clean. But then, but then, with time, you start putting stuff in it. And then it gets a virus. But it wasn't created with a virus. And then you download stuff on the website you're not supposed to, and it gets contaminated. But it's not supposed to be contaminated because it was made pure. Let me tell you, when God made us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it was that Apple experience. But here's what happened we were pure, we were innocent. And so, the enemy came, hey, you, you, you need to download this app. You need this app. Because if you take this app, you're going to know everything. If you take this app, your eyes are going to open. You need this app. Because this app, well, how much? Is, not nothing. Just, just take it free. You need this app. And Eve took of the app. She gave it to her husband. And they both downloaded the app. And you know what happened to the computer it got jacked up it got a virus but the computer is still doing computing job it's still, it's still compute it's still types it's still print it still goes online it does it all but now it's doing it from a jacked up perspective so 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 now that I'm in Christ now that I'm in Christ now what no. <laughs> what does Christ do Christ, okay okay here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna say to you so that the devil don't keep jacking your head up. But now there's some things, there's some programs, and there's some downloads, and there's some applications that you got in your head that now I need you to delete, to maneuver, to change. And that's what I'm going to talk about next, next, Wednesday, next Sunday. So make sure you don't, you don't stay home. But today I want to challenge you to see people the way God sees you with your mess. See people the way God sees you with your mess. Because let me submit to you, let me submit to you.
When God looks at sin, he sees one sin. Now, Pastor, I only tell white lies, but she, she'd be robbing banks. I, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I, I take some pens from my office, but he, he go on drive-thrus and run away, don't pay nothing. Sin is sin. But is fornication bigger than lying? Is, 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 is adultery bigger than, than deceitfulness? Is, is, whoa, if, if we were to go by that, let's look at what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says six things the Lord hates, but the seventh he detests. You don't want to hear this. You don't want to hear this. Because none of those seven things he talked about ain't fornication. Ain't homosexuality, ain't lesbianism, ain't, you know what they are? A haughty heart. Eyes that look with evil. And God says, this is what I hate. Because I, I could, listen, I could deal with a sinner. I could deal with a sinner. Because I got the, I got the solution for a sinner, my blood, Jesus. I can deal with that. So, so we need we need God to, 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 to take that, that what do you call that thing that 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 that, that drill and, and drill in our cement brain and let him work in us. Let him work through us. So if you're here, my friend, this morning, this afternoon, I want to encourage you that church is not a place for perfect people. You are welcome because I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I am not perfect. And I don't know what pastor tells you that I'm not perfect. You step on my toe, I'm going to punch you in your nose. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> if I'm driving on the road and you cut me in the road, I, I might tell you, yo, what you doing, bro? I'm not perfect. And I don't, now, now, I understand that because I have an office of a pastor, there's a level of expectancy I have to give to the people because I am God's representative to the people. So there's some things that I cannot do. And woe unto me, I'll leave the ministry. But that I'm not human, step on my toes, see what happened. I'm going to cry just like you. Hit my kids, see what happened. No, I got security, they're going to hit you, I ain't going to hit you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here telling you that I'm perfect. What I'm telling you is that there's room in this place for you in your mistakes and in your failures and in your shortcomings to have hope enough to say, I believe God can help me in this place. Because we're all sick by the infirmity called sin. And we all need a dose of God's blood to cleanse us. But we need love. We need love. We need love. Because at the end, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, at the end of the day, Paul says, three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But then he says, but the greatest of these three is love. So let's love, church. Let's love, church. 
Let's love the broken. But, but let's start loving ourselves. Love you. And then love people. And let's become the church that Jesus intended it to be. Knowing that we're all under construction. But in the end, we're going to look like a mighty edifice. We're going to look powerful. But in the core of who we are, we need what the Bible says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And that chief cornerstone is Jesus. Invite him in your heart. Let him be the base of everything you are. And I promise you, in your shortcomings, in your failures, in your mistakes, you can say stuff like, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am weak. Though a just fall seven times, seven times the Lord will rise him up. That's room. There's room in the gospel for mistakes. It's room. So church, let's do what the woman did. Lift up our eyes, get up, and sin no more. And be the people God called us to be. Father, I've preached your word. And now I pray that your word marinates in our heart. I pray it simmers down, God, in the core of who we are. And do in us that which only your word can do. Help us, Lord. To see ourselves the way you see ourselves. You see us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to understand that you are not through with us yet.